Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. So we've got a tough topic today. We're going to talk about grief and how it impacts us. And we've got some tough news to share. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Hey, sign up for our couples retreat on October 1st. Great sex, great love. Just the two of you. More details at the end of this episode. How you doing, man? It's been a rough week, you know. Everybody knows you're going to lose your your mom, but when it happens, it's, uh, and you're never ready for it, so... Mm. So George has lost his mother this last week, and it's it's rough. Losing a parent, I think, is so complicated, too. There's so much that leaves us kind of the next generation and brings up, I think, so, so many feelings about our families, and we have to do a lot of processing. It's just sad. I'm officially an orphan now. I lost my dad like five years ago. Mm. But I think there's something about your mom, that that unconditional love that, you know, despite everyone's shortcomings, that you know that there's one person that's rooting for you, that if you committed murder, would still kind of take you in. And, you know, so there's <laughs> uh, an emptiness that happens, you know, and certainly I believe... I'll meet her again someday, and mm. that brings me great comfort. Mm. But, you know, that transitionary period, it just sucks. It does. It does. This is such a tough thing. And you felt like she loved you unconditionally. That's that's a blessing. That's a good thing. That's certainly a blessing. I know that you told her about foreplay, and she was happy for us and for our success. That, that was fun to know yeah, was, about her. It is old ladies sitting together talking about a, a sex podcast. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty fun. I'm so, not sure she ever had the courage to listen to it, but she liked the idea. That's, <laughs> and there were millions of downloads. Really, so that was that was fun for her. That's great. So, what's your favorite memory of your mother? You know, I had the fortune of doing her eulogy, so mm. that was not easy either. You know, there were just so many stories, but. She was actually, her father died in a bomber flying over Germany in World War II. So she actually was only an infant when she lost her dad. And I think Uh that that experience and her mom remarrying and blended families and I'm not sure how much she fit in. And, you know, I think that really influenced and shaped her. She was quite a resilient person who Mm. was fiercely loyal and kind of wanted (laughs) her family to come first. And Mm. so we were raised with that really tight knit family and. Wow. Beautiful. We we didn't have a lot of, and we had, there were eight kids. Mm. 
Uh, besides the countless neighborhood kids. <laughs> and I think because she had a feeling of being left out when she was younger, she didn't want anyone else to feel left out. Uh-huh. So she, everybody was welcome. And that sounds great in theory, but when you're don't have a lot of money and you come home and your friends eating your dinner. It's like, you know, it created some problems and she always figured it out. She always had a way of just kind of making it work. And she stretched it. She stretched it. And and there were times. Lots of pasta. We would actually eat mustard sandwiches. And I remember Uh one time we went out, she went out to get some cold cuts for sandwiches. And instead she bought me a Star Wars figure, Darth Vader, when I was like five years old. And, yeah, I was at the eulogy. I took out my Star Wars figure. I still have it all these years <laughs> later, 45 <laughs> oh years later. Oh my gosh, but, I'm going to cry. You know, That's that, so lovely. She had a way of still making people feel special when even you're in a big family, it's easy to get lost and feel invisible. But mm-hmm. you know, she had that unique way of doing that, which was really cool. And you were the middleest. I was number five, child. yeah. Right, number five. Okay. Ah, that's, that's again, a that's, great memory. That's a great memory. Yeah, there's so many stories, and you know, we do a Fourth of July party honoring my father, where my whole family comes together on July Fourth weekend. And you know, this time she comes running, hobbling to get on the boat for a trip. And she gets on the boat. She goes, "This will probably be my last boat ride," and we're all laughing at her, saying, "Yeah, you know, you say that every year. It's not, you know, but maybe she knew something, and mm-hmm. it, uh, you never think it's going to be a." last boat ride you wish this you could have said something if you knew it was the last boat ride you know the things that we take for granted but you know what i'm hoping is it 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 certainly brought my family closer together again you know Mm -hmm. the siblings and cousins and it's you know life is short Mm -hmm. we all work hard and are so busy and how do you learn these lessons to before you know it's going to be us so everybody came to the funeral yeah, I mean, crazy times with COVID, and but there, a lot of people came and came back to the house, and I had my Martha moment. Remember in the Bible, Martha and Mary. Oh, yeah, and I do. Martha was the one working like crazy, and nobody was getting anything done, and I was yelling at people, who's got the food? Who set up the projector for the slideshow? Who's doing this? And I'm just bossing everyone around, and you know, I had this moment say, you know, here are all these people, some of them I haven't seen in years or even decades, you know. The point is to connect with them and not to just kind of keep on working, which is normally what I can do, and so it was a nice moment for me to just kind of <laughs> stop that and just, you know, whatever. Someone else will take care of it. Let's try to just hang out. Mm. My father's brother, the Hickeys, who have not, you know, we've kind of lost touch with. It was He's 97 years old, and he came. So it was really fantastic. 97, that's awesome. Yeah. So do you have any other living relatives on your father's side? Yes, it was my father's uncle. And my mother's uncle, Aww. both in their 90s, were just Aww. sitting there chatting away at each other. Neither could hear the other person much, but it was <laughs> they still had a great time. It was just so cool to see. That is so great. I'm glad to hear of these loving memories that you have of her. That's such a good thing to believe somebody loved you. And, and you felt loved by your father as well, right? I did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they didn't have their boatload of problems and shortcomings but you know in that one department which when you know as a therapist most of the time when i'm working with parents and they're coming in with so much guilt and you know what could they have done differently you know that they're willing to show up in the office 
to me is they they've accomplished the most and they've tried their best that's all we could do but to just try to love well mm-hmm. oh, isn't that the point mm. that is definitely the point so i know that grief is you know really difficult and i know that my husband and i have lost some of our parents and you know it's it's just the weirdest thing you know there's this huge heaviness that kind of hits you like a tidal wave in the beginning. And then I remember I, I didn't wear makeup for a couple months because it would just sneak up on me and I'd start crying like out of nowhere, you know, not even really thinking about it. And suddenly something would wash over me. I think it's so important to let ourselves do that, uh, right. to give into that. Yeah. I was, and there were a lot of people there and I think a gender piece you know, so many women are wailing and crying and mm. can express themselves. And there are so many of the men who are trying to be strong and not cry. And, you know, I, I see a few of my brothers and they're like stoic. And and just that idea, I mean, I'm glad of the work that I've done that I can express just that emotional signal to let it out mm. that there's so much health even in letting tears flow and let the stress hormones out Mm -hmm. you know most of the time i'd be fine but you know i'd see her best friend kind of break down at the casket and it's like oh my it just rips your heart out Mm -hmm. or you see her great great grandkids going up there no where are you going then i mean it's just those things it Mm -hmm. just how does it not just impact you and, and and just that grief and that sadness and to let it out and you know, that would be my encouragement, especially to a lot of the men listening that, you know, we've been so trained. I was so trained not to cry mm-hmm. and to see crying as a weakness. And my father would tell me he'd give me something to cry if I kept crying. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that ability to turn off my feelings has worked really well for me. Mm-hmm. But that that temporary solution really, I think, starts to harden your heart over time unless you kind of intentionally try to and maybe that's not the appropriate place publicly but to just find a space where you can access that sadness and just let it do its work yeah that's so true as a woman i could cry and nobody really thought anything about it and i think that that we don't expect that out of men sometimes we don't even want that out of men and it's it's so limiting and it just keeps it all the feelings in their little heart and you know then we can't comfort them and they can't be comforted it's it's really a different experience i'm glad that you feel like you could let some of it out as i was listening to you talk about being martha at the house afterwards and just kind of bossing everybody around and being angry you know it's like it's another way right it's at least some emotion coming out yeah and i think we often allow men to be more angry than we allow them to be sad. Yeah. I wrote this quote I want to read quick on on Facebook by Francis Weller. Okay. Grief asks us that we honor the loss and in doing so deepen our capacity for compassion and empathy. When grief remains unexpressed, however, it hardens, becomes as solid as a stone. We in turn become rigid and stop moving in rhythm with the soul. When our grief stagnates, we become fixed in place, unable to move and dance with the flow of life. Grief is part of the dance. Keep on dancing. It's part of life. We have to feel that 
where we can't feel the other things, right? Yeah, and it's the logical brain gets it, but the heart wants to say, no, it's not fair. You know, it's not the right time. It's yeah. all these protests. I just want to say, gee, that, you know, I've been thinking about you a lot these last few days, and I didn't know what you were going to want to do today. And I'm so appreciative that you would share with us this and open up to us about it and be so vulnerable about what you're feeling. I just appreciate that. Thank you. Wish I could hug you. Virtual hug. Virtual hug. And I appreciate all the support and notes and people donated to Tunnels to Towers and raised a couple thousand dollars for my mom. And, you know, it's a great cause. So it's, you know, trying to make the best, make lemonade out of these sour lemons that life has dealt me here. Yep. Okay. So we'll come back and talk some more about the impact of grief. All right. So you know we've told you about OhMyGodYes.com as a great place to learn about female pleasure, but they also do research, and you will learn from the sexual discoveries of over 2,000 women ages 18 to 95, and these findings are the largest ever peer-reviewed published research into women's pleasure. You'll explore and find new techniques to feel good. It's for yourself. Women, it's for your partners and couples together. You only pay once for lifetime access. It's not a subscription site, which is great. It takes just 10 minutes to learn each technique. And through simple, tasteful, and crystal clear demonstrations and graphics, you'll be able to find the benefits of this research tonight and forever. Oh my God, yes.com and use the coupon foreplay. Frustrating low libido can be, well, frustrating. Sound familiar? Visit addyi.com slash foreplay and complete your online consultation today to see if Addy or Flavanserin is right for you. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive low sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past and who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, and dry mouth. See full PI including box warning at addy.com forward slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Visit addyi.com slash foreplay. We at Foreplay are excited about Addy, and to help share the love, our listeners can now schedule their Addy consultation for only $10. To see if Addy is right for you, visit addy.com and use the coupon code foreplay at checkout to redeem this offer. That's code foreplay at addyi.com. I want to talk about the stages of grief and what we kind of go through. We know we've studied it a lot that as we mourn the ones that we've loved and, and also other losses, you know, I'm aware of many losses that people suffer, particularly divorce, dealing with a lot of divorced people. And there's just so much grief in that as they go through that. And obviously you losing a parent, there's so much grief. It's many things that we need to grieve. And there, there turns out there is kind of this set pattern that we go through 
Would you lead us through that pattern? And Yeah, no, I appreciate you just trying to distinguish different types of, of loss. I mean, you have the big ones, the loss of a child or a parent, but mm. we all experience loss on a daily day, loss of dreams, loss of relationships, loss of friendships. And, you know, these, these emotions, when we experience loss, are going to be very predictable and you know, so you have the Kubler-Ross grief cycle that basically, and, and they don't necessarily need to go in order, mm-hmm. you know. But We bounce in and out of those We bounce in and out. And basically, you have states of denial. You have states of anger, states of bargaining, states of depression, and states of acceptance, right? And they're broad categories. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, you, most of us experience the initial, I can think about me, the initial shock when I got the phone call at, you know, four in the morning, like this can't be happening. This is a bad dream. Mm-hmm. Right. And my, I went immediately to bargaining, like, wait, God, this can't be happening. Wait, wait, you know, and what can you do? And like, you know, that almost like infant, that childhood brain that just wants to say, I'll be good. And, you know, just give me this. Or what if I did that? And, Mm-hmm. And how quickly it can turn then towards the anger, just the unfairness of the situation mm-hmm. or the anger itself or kind of what I could have done or, you know, which I would have spent more time. I would have went on that vacation and you would have done this. And and then, you know, that what you talked about, that depression that just kind of sneaks in at all times, such as mm-hmm. the pain of the separation, right? The pain of the disconnection. The emptiness that happens when, you know, you just can't pick up that phone call. I mean, my mom would call me all the time and say, you know, I'm praying for you. You know, I'm just thinking about you, like just knowing that you have that constantly happening in the background. And now it's hopefully still happening from heaven. But, you know, that, you know, there's a loss of that. There's a loss of somebody rooting for you that's just always there whenever you need that. Mm, that That's so lovely. Yeah. And then that acceptance, I mean, I can feel moments of it, of just, you talk about post-traumatic growth, of just making meaning out of it, of of kind of knowing her suffering is, is ended, that she's kind of in a better place, she's connected, and, you know, I think there are times of some peace, and you're like, okay, and then boom, here it comes again, you go through the whole process all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I even just hearing you talk about it, it it feels so sad to me. I loved that idea of your mother, you know, there in the background, just a sense of a constant force, somebody who's praying and caring for you. And yes, I'm I'm sure she is still rooting for you and praying for you. And I saw her beautiful pictures as well on Facebook. She's just, she was a really lovely, lovely woman. And I was struck by how much, you know, you have her eyes. It's- well, you know, there were a lot of moments she was opinionated and <laughs> thought she was always right. And I would take the phone <laughs> and I would just put it to the side for 30 seconds <laughs> and she was just kind of lecturing me. And, you know, but that's the part of any relationship. But yes, it is. It is a a real blessing that I had that I didn't doubt her love for me. And I think that that secure attachment is so often as therapists, what we're trying to help people create in their relationships, right? You're always going to fight. You're always going to miss each other. You're always going to have differences. But when you have that sense of, if I need that person, they will be there for me. Yeah. Like that's a beautiful safety to carry in a world to know that 
no matter what happens, that person has your back. And I, I, I certainly had that with my mom. And I think that we carry that forward in our hearts. Yes. I mean, even before they die, we're able to access that sense of, um, I'm a good person because my parents loved me. And, and that's what we carry into our own relationships. That's what makes us able to do vulnerability, to reach out to our partners and believe that they'll reach back. You know, obviously we're a sex podcast and I've seen people manage grief so differently. You know, some people really do reach out for the arms of their partners. They make love and they feel that tenderness and they feel the comfort. And then others just, you know, they can't do it. They kind of are licking their wounds and need to be left alone. And I wonder if we could advise people about how to respond to their partner in these different ways. I mean, certainly if your partner is reaching for you in love and needs that physical comfort, you know, hopefully you can find it in you to answer that and to give to them and to be with them. I had never thought about this, but the importance of communicating, of having a real conversation around both the partner who's lost their parents Mm -hmm. and the partner trying to support them. I mean, it's so easy to miss each other and have different strategies on how to cope Mm -hmm. that you can see how this could really impact the sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think people can tend to go to two extremes. They either lose all sexual feelings, right? Because you're in depression, you're in loss, you're in the sadness. You don't feel too aroused. You don't really like your body. You just kind of don't want to have sex. And that could last for months for people. Yeah. Versus the other extreme where people are trying to avoid the feelings and turn towards sex as a way of kind of feeling something good in their lives. And they over-focus on sex. Mm -hmm. So like, where do you fall on that continuum of either wanting it too much and not wanting it at all? And how do you talk about that with your partner who has no idea what's going on for you or how to support you? Mm-hmm. So, so many couples I work with, you know, the grief really can wreak havoc in, in, in a sex life. Mm-hmm. You talked about the 4th of July as the, the time that your family gathers. Um, we, we both, my husband lost his father on the 4th of July. And my father, who knew Jack Watson, we kind of supported both of them as they were aging in our community. And went down that day, like he fell and never really recovered. And I think both, both of us felt differently about how to be comforted. You know, my husband, he was able to really grieve and, and learned, I think, through that process about how to cry and how to let it out. And we, you know, it's, it's August right now, we've just gone through the fourth, you know, but it's, it's tender for both of us again. And I think that talking about what we needed from each other was pretty possible at that point in our marriage, you know, asking each other for the space and for the connection, you know, because there were times that we just, I think, needed to be almost like children crying in the corner, you know, and other times that we needed our partner to come toward us, both sexually and emotionally and hold us. I, I think we did a lot of processing about our childhoods out loud with each other, you know, as we talked about those losses. Um, somebody told me, and I've never forgotten this, it was it was a beautiful thing to say, but she signed her card for all the things that were and for all the things that weren't. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's some of the grief is we, we lose the loved one and 
we also lose all the possibilities for things that we had wished for as children. And That's beautiful. Yeah. It's so counterintuitive to want to have a sex conversation during this period. It is. Right? But if you don't have the conversation, you're left with your own assumptions. And it's never, it's typically not the safest way to move forward in your relationship. So, I, you know, how do you find that right time? I wish, you know, I haven't had that conversation with my wife. And until we were doing this, thinking about this podcast, I was saying, I don't know if anybody I know ever had one of those conversations, mm-hmm. but it's such a setup to miss each other sexually. Mm-hmm. Like what a, what an opportunity. I mean, yes, you can talk about your childhood and I think this is where the emotional bond really becomes important. Mm-hmm. And a lot of couples can strengthen because they're there for each other during that, which is beautiful. But to not how to translate that into a sexual conversation. Right, because then we're talking about what we need from each other right now. And right. yeah, it's it's a difficult conversation. Right, and if you're the partner who's wanting to be supportive, and this is the closest you've been emotionally in years, it would make sense why your body responds to that and and kind of wants to be more intimate, Mm -hmm. right? But if you can't talk about that, you're probably going to feel rejected by the partner who's depressed and is not really interested, Mm -hmm. right? And then you can't say anything because you don't want to make them feel guilty. So we just kind of shut these parts of ourselves off, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's that's our main one of our main points in this podcast is is when we lose parts of ourselves, you know, the levels of engagement in a relationship start to go down. You know, a lot of couples that I work with that don't have sex, oftentimes you could you could trace it back to it starts at one of these periods, you know, of a big emotion, of a miss, of a loss of something. And then before you know it, they go a couple of months and then it gets just hard to kind of talk about it or get back. And before you know it, a couple of years have gone by. So maybe we can guide people a little bit about what to say. I, I think first, as a partner, starting with what you feel. You know, I, I listen to you and I, I feel so tender and I want to make love to you, but I, I'm wondering what you're feeling and if you want that, if you need that. Or maybe the person is saying, look, it, normally I would be wanting to be with you, and but I find myself kind of, more in this state of pulling away and I'd appreciate you holding me right now, but I, I'm not ready to make love for some reason or just being open about it because yeah. that that will help educate essentially your partner, give them insight into what's going on. We just would want to encourage people to be as plain as you can, knowing that, you know, making love is such a connector and yet sometimes you may not be ready for it as especially I think because it can break you open and maybe you're not ready to be broken open yes and there's no normal response whatever your experience heightened need for sex or no access to desire right Mm -hmm. it's totally normal it's just great to name that and to kind of reflect upon that and to use that as as a springboard to connect with your partner and if you're not having sex you can talk about what it's like to not want to have sex with your partner and you can still engage in the hug and be with each other. Because that's, that's a place, it's, it's very confusing for a lot of people too. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something they've depended on their whole life. I know a lot of men that I work with that lose their sexuality you know, around this period and they, they get thrown off. 
you know, then it starts to create worry, like, am I going to perform? And it just brings in all of this insecurity that they're not used to. And, you know, that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to go to your partner and have a different type of conversation. But if you hide those places, then, you know, again, it just creates more of this isolation at a period when you're already feeling isolated and lost, it just gets exacerbated. Right. If ever there were a time we needed connection, it's when we're in grief. Amen. Thanks for listening. Keep it as hot as you can. And again, we dedicate this podcast to my mother, Mary Louise Fowler. If you'd like to support Tunnels to Towers, which helps the survivors, the firefighting families right after 9-11, George had two brothers that were firefighters as well as himself. We'll post the link in our episode show notes. Our couples retreat is coming up and we'd love to invite all of you. We've already had four signups, so that's exciting. It's going to be on October 1st, which is a Friday and from 10 to 4.30 Eastern Standard Time. We're offering an early bird discount for the first 20 people who fully pay and sign up. And you know, we're going to do all kinds of cool stuff. We talk about male and female arousal and how to get to the best sex and what the sexual attachment cycle is all about and how to resolve problems and I just want you to know that all the exercises are private, so you're only going to be doing it with your partner. You can ask questions and talk in the group, but it's not necessary. So we welcome participation, but it's never going to be demanded of you. And I, I just thought, George, I would read something that people who have gone through this have said to us. Cool. Here's a little bragging. Lori and George are a great team. They invite couples to have conversations about sex and connection in a comfortable and trusting way. The information shared and the activities planned are purposeful and supportive and the day flows nicely. The hosts are professional. Couples will leave thinking about their partners and their own styles and desires more deeply. It's nice to carve out time for this important work and worth the effort. Thank you for this offering. Very, very cool, Lori. I mean, that's that's our promise that if you devote some space intentionally to talk about topics most of us don't get help talking about you're going to leave the day in better shape than you came in i think that's a great investment of time we'd love to have you sign up it's on our website foreplayradiosextherapy.com and it's under the resource section and help spread the word if you can't make it refer a friend or a family member we could all use the help so for all you therapists out there listening to our show I really want you to check out successinvulnerability.com, our new training website that we believe is taking online therapist training to the next level. It's so focused on moment by moment, practical moves, less theory to really get people to have immediate success. We're trying to measure targets of change so we can see if we're on target or we need to adjust and the feedback we're getting is really excited. We're incorporating that feedback to continually adjust and to change the schedule. And come join us, SIV team. Also, I'll just put a plug in for it as well, because I am one of the learners. This kind of instruction just is not out there. How to do the micro moves that change people's hearts toward each other. It's so good. So it's reasonably priced. I just encourage you to go over to successandvulnerability.com and sign up. It's great training. Call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number four, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. 
All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media.